Peace be upon you. So if you had to say, what is the distinguishing factor between a weak believer and a disbeliever, what would that criteria be? And if you look at it, between these two parties, both of them commit sins, but there is one underlying distinction between a weak believer who God says will be redeemed on the day of judgment compared to someone who died in a state of disbelief or hypocrisy who is going to end up in hell. And this distinguishing factor is that a weak believer still has the moral compass to be able to distinguish right from wrong. But a devout disbeliever or hypocrite, they have destroyed this ability to be able to distinguish right from wrong. And the outcome of that is that eventually they convince themselves that their unrighteous behavior is righteous. And at that point, there is no hope for this individual. In Surah 35 verse 8, it reads, Note the one whose evil work is adorned in his eyes until he thinks that it is righteous. God thus sends astray whoever wills to go astray, and he guides whoever wills to be guided. Therefore, do not grieve over them. God is fully aware of everything they do. Someone who spends this life committing sin and vice and is so disillusioned that they start thinking that this evil behavior is righteous has lost any hope of being redeemed. Because in order to be redeemed, we first have to recognize the sin we committed and then immediately repent and reform. And despite the fact that many of us will fail in this process, that yes, we will identify the sin, we will repent, but when it comes to uh, reformation, we actually fall short and we might commit the sin again and again. And for most people living under that dissonance of knowing what the ideal is and not being able to hit it, they face a crossroads where they have to say, okay, am I genuinely going to try to fix my ways to better myself, to try to become righteous? Or am I going to paper over this understanding and try to convince myself that it's not that I'm falling short, but I'm going to redefine what it means to be righteous in order to give a pass to my sinful conduct? And once an individual does this, then at that point, they will never recognize their sins, they will never repent, and they will never reform. And because of that, they will spend their entire life astray until the day of judgment when God reveals the truth to these people. And we see what happens to these weak believers. Individuals, again, they commit sins. They've mixed good deeds with bad deeds. God tells us their outcome in the hereafter. And we see this in Surah 7 of the Quran entitled Al-Araf. And Al-Araf in the Quran, it means purgatory. This is the place for individuals who didn't completely make it into heaven. But out of God's mercy, God sees some good in them and annexes purgatory into the lower heaven and redeems these individuals. And we hear their testimony on the day of judgment. And it's in Surah 7 verse 46. It says, A barrier separates them, while purgatory, al-Araf, is occupied by people who recognize each side by their looks. They will call the dwellers of paradise, peace be upon you. They did not enter paradise through wishful thinking. When they turn their eyes towards the dwellers of hell, they will say, Our Lord, do not put us with these wicked people. The dwellers of purgatory will call on the people they recognize by their looks, saying, Your great numbers did not avail you in any way, nor did your arrogance.
Are those the people you swore that God will never touch with mercy? The people in the purgatory will then be told, Enter paradise, you have nothing to fear, nor will you grieve. These individuals, these weak believers, who God allowed to be admitted into paradise, the characteristic that they have is that they're able to recognize the deeds of others simply by looking at them in the hereafter. Because we're not going to have our physical bodies like we do today. The distinguishing factor for individuals in the hereafter is the righteousness that we carry with us. And what's interesting is that the word al-araf for purgatory, it comes from the same root as the word to recognize in Arabic. And we see that in these verses, twice it says that the people of uh, the dwellers of purgatory, that they could recognize each side by their looks. And this is what it comes down to when we distinguish between a weak believer compared to, say, a disbeliever or a hypocrite, is that the weak believer still recognizes their sins. And because they recognize that they've committed an error, they made a mistake, they attempt to repent and reform. And despite the fact that they might never reach that ideal to fix their ways, the fact that they're merely recognizing it shows that their moral compass is still intact. But individuals who become accustomed to hypocrisy and disbelief, they get to the point where they stop recognizing evil deeds. And we see this in Surah 9, verse 101 and 102. It reads, Among the Arabs around you there are hypocrites. Also among the city dwellers there are those who are accustomed to hypocrisy. You do not know them, but we know them. We will double the retribution for them. They end up committed to a terrible retribution. These individuals have become accustomed to hypocrisy, that it's no longer something that sticks out, no longer something that is recognized. And when it becomes to that stage where it becomes part of their day-to-day life that they stop even recognizing it, then there is no hope for them. They're no longer just simply weak believers. They've transgressed into the realm of a hypocrite. And we read in the next verse, in Surah 9, verse 102, it reads, There are others who have confessed their sins. They mixed good deeds with bad deeds. God will redeem them, for God is forgiver, most merciful. Now what's fascinating is this word where it says, who have confessed their sins. The root of this word in Arabic At-tarafu, it comes from the same root as araf, which means that, again, they recognize their sins. Because how do you confess for something that you fail to recognize? If someone never acknowledges the, the pitfalls of what they've done, then they will never feel obliged to confess. But this is, again, what distinguishes a weak believer from a disbeliever. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Many times, people become accustomed to disbelief, tolerating idol worship and evil conduct, and they live in such a dissonance that eventually they erode this ability to be able to distinguish, again, right from wrong, that it all gets muddled together. And this innate quality that God has given every human being to be able to distinguish between right and wrong has now been muddled. And because of that, they can no longer be guided on the straight path. And it's so bad 
that even on the day of judgment, when they're first confronted about their tendencies, their evil behavior, their idol worship, that they're in denial of it. We read in Surah 6, verse 22 through 23, it says, On that day when we summon them all, we will ask the idol worshipers, Where are the idols you set up? Their disastrous response will be, By God our Lord, we never were idol worshippers. That they've been so disillusioned by their misunderstandings, by their uh, uh, corrupt behavior, that they fail to even recognize that they set up a God beside God. But God does something on the Day of Judgment to allow them to see the truth, and He unveils this disillusion that they've spent their whole life with, and it reads in Surah 50, verse 19 through 22, it says, Finally, the inevitable comb of death comes. This is what you try to evade. The horn is blown. This is the promised day. Every soul comes with a herder and a witness. You used to be oblivious to this. We now remove your veil. Today, your vision is as strong as steel. And it won't be until that time that the disbeliever will recognize their sins. And we see that the word for confession, it occurs in two other verses. And it's about the disbelievers that finally, when this veil is lifted, that they understand and they confess their sins. In Surah 40 verse 10, it says, Those who disbelieve will be told God's abhorrence towards you is even worse than your own abhorrence towards yourselves. For you were invited to believe, but you chose to disbelieve. They will say, Our Lord, you have put us to death twice. And you gave us two lives. Now we have confessed our sins. Is there any way out? It takes them to that point for them to start acknowledging and realizing their sins. But up until then, they're completely blind to their evil behavior. That when there was a hope for them to be able to again distinguish right from wrong, that they made the choice that they did not want to live with that dissonance. And rather than reforming, what they end up doing is they change the definition of right and wrong to suit their evil behavior. And we see this again in Surah 67, verse 6 through 11. It says, For those who disbelieve in their Lord, the retribution of Gehenna, what a miserable destiny. When they get thrown therein, they hear its fear as it fumes. It almost explodes from rage. Whenever a group is thrown therein, its guards would ask them, Did you not receive a warner? They would answer, yes, indeed, a warner did come to us, but we disbelieved and said, God did not reveal anything. You're totally astray. They also say, if we heard or understood, we would not be among the dwellers of hell. Thus, they confessed their sins. Woe to the dwellers of hell. These individuals spent their life failing to hear or understand and followed the path of Satan to be unappreciative of their Lord. So how do we guarantee that our moral compass has not been decayed, that we're following the path of the righteous, that we are not confounding truth with falsehood, that we're not looking at our sinful behavior and tricking ourselves into thinking it's righteous? One of the names of the Quran is Al-Furqan. This is translated as the statute book. The book of law. But what's interesting is the word Furqan, it means the distinction or the criteria because the Quran is the distinction or the criteria to be able to distinguish right from wrong.
So by making reading the Quran a daily habit, we're at dawn, throughout the day, at night, we read the Quran and we reflect upon its verses. Not merely just uttering the sounds, but we actually understand what is being said. We can constantly recalibrate to make sure that our moral compass is set aligned correctly as God has prescribed in the Quran. In Surah 25 verse 1, it reads, Most blessed is the one who revealed the statute book to his servant so he can serve as a warner to the whole world. So what is the takeaway from all this? Is that God knows that when we repent and promise to reform, that many of us, we're going to fall short of that ideal. We're going to fall into sin again. We're going to make the same mistakes over and over. But one thing we should never do is give in to the devil's delusion and start convincing ourselves that this sinful behavior is righteous. To start self-justifying that my bad behavior, my sinful ways, that these are actually modifications of righteousness. Because the second we do that, we're setting ourselves up for a path to hell. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, you can download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store. And if you guys like the podcast, please share it with others. Leave us a review. And until next time, peace and God bless.